0: Good morning. This morning's reading is from James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 and 12 through 18. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, wherever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood that test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin."
1: Yeah? You're good? (laughs) Even though it's Groundhog Day? Um, Let's pray, and then we'll hop in. Father, not by any might, not by any eloquence, but by your spirit today, would you let your words meet your children. Father, everyone in here needs something from you. And so I ask that your presence would be so full in this place that we would be changed because ultimately we just need you. And so let let yourself come and dwell amongst us today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. At the beginning of this upgrade series... I closed by challenging you to consider what you wanted to do to level up in your faith. And I even gave you four levels to choose from. Level one was more about you becoming public about your faith, acknowledging not just in this place that Jesus is Lord and he is King, but wherever you are, that you could carry the kingdom of God with you, that the world is in need of people that will own him, and that he can use us when we do. Level two was about ownership, about this no longer being something that you receive by proxy, but it's something that is yours, where you take ownership of the Word of God and praying and a relationship with God. Level three was about no disclaimers, that many of you have received the power of God. You have testimony after testimony after testimony, but because you're not a pastor, you haven't gone to seminary You haven't been a Christian long enough. You use these disclaimers that prevent the power of God from flowing through you. And God says, there's no disclaimers with my spirit. I give it with liberty. And I give it to power to all who believe and trust in me. And level four was about the risk and rewards of those who will step out immediately when God says to. That those of us who've lived without no disclaimers for a while, we need to take that next step to say, when God tells us to pray for healing, to do it. He tells us to give, to give, to risk at levels that may seem crazy to other people, but are never crazy when it's faith to God. Now I asked you to choose those things, and I still want you to choose those things. But those are often the easier paths with God, where you and I get to say, okay. I'm going to surrender my time to God. I'm going to surrender my thoughts to Him, and I want to grow there. It's a surrender. But there are things that come into your life that you didn't choose. In this scripture, it calls them trials of various kinds. And what I want you to hear today is that God uses those, the things you didn't choose, for the same end and purpose of the things that you choose. That he is after the same goal in mind, whether you choose it or not, and that is to fill you with his presence. And he will use anything that happens in this life, no matter how tragic, no matter how painful, no matter how difficult, to do it. Or he'll use how any, any easy presence, time you give him to accomplish it. And so I want you to see that there is nothing that can hinder God's plan in your life, because he says if he began a good work in you, he will see it to completion. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can send it away. In fact, it is part of his plan of transformation in you. He wants to change you. Because you and I want fullness of joy. We want peace that transcends circumstance. We want the peace of Christ. We want the fullness of freedom and healing in his life, and he will use anything. And he will not wait for you to choose it. He may bring it into your life unexpectedly. And that's what I want to talk about today with this sermon titled New Trials, New Triumphs, New Territories. And I titled it that way because I'm obsessed with the patterns that God uses in Scripture to accomplish His plans. Because when I look throughout the Scriptures, I see these various patterns, cycles, if you will. Things that tend to happen over and over again inside the lives of those who believe in God, that you and I often get distracted from. But if we see the pattern of what God has done, we can have a little bit more peace of what God may be doing in our lives. And I want to be clear, it's not about predicting what's going to happen next. It's not about that. It's not about finding a pattern that you can predict God because you can't. There's no idea what's going to happen next. But it's for your ability to zoom out and to go, no long, No matter what is happening next, if I am in God, then it is for my good, that he is doing something for my good and in his aims that I can trust, that I can be patient in, that I can persevere in, that I can hope in. Because inside of God, pain and suffering and trials are not arbitrary. They have an aim. They have an end in mind. And that is the only way that we can actually embrace this passage today. When he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance run its full course so that you will be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. The only way that we can do that is to believe that there is a pattern that God follows with his people that ends Good. Because that idea of considering it pure joy is let a trial trigger gladness in your life. How's everybody doing with that? (laughs) And when he says trials of various kinds, I don't think he has in mind the common cold and flu season in New York City, but I think it applies. Because when common colds come into my life, I'm all of a sudden like, God hates me, He's angry with me, I'm done, I'm worthless. I'm dying. You can ask my wife. That's how I act at home. But trials don't often trigger joy. But today, what I hope that all of us see is that we can step back and go, no matter what you are facing right now, whether you chose it or not, there is a transcendent plan of God in your life to bring triumph, to take new territory, to bring you new joy joy and hope. So do not weary because there are things that many of us are facing today that we didn't choose there's unemployment journeys there's the unknown diagnosis that has yet to be confirmed there's the disease that we wish would just be done with there is the sin that has cycled back last night that I am tired of falling into there's the confusion about a future career and all of these are just your trial trials of various kind But inside of God, you can step back and say, I can trust and I can have joy because something good's going to come out of this. So that's what I want you to see today. Whatever trial you're facing, that God is aiming to triumph in your life because He wants to bring new territory of His joy and His presence. So that's where we're going. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to look at the fact that trials can teach us, trials are for the purpose of triumph. And trials is where we gain new territory. So trials can teach us. I want you to see that that phrase is meaningful. Because trials can teach us, but often we let them tempt us. Instead of letting them be our teacher about God and our lives and ourselves, we let them tempt us to question God and question ourselves and question life. It's no accident that James speaks about trials and temptation in the same passage. Because it is when trials come into our life that we immediately put God on trial. And we begin to question Him. And honestly, we should. Because if we are His children, we need to be asking, why? If you are good, if you are my God, if you have victory over all things, why? Why is suffering? Why is pain? Why is sin, betrayal, accusation? Why are these things realities if I am your child? Question him, but make sure you stick around for the answers. Because what James says is when temptation comes into question, what we often do is we throw our questions at God and then try to find the answer ourselves. And our temptation turns us inward, into our own desires. And it begins to cause us to ask these questions, the questions that were originated in the Garden of Eden in creation, but have just come back to apply to your garden, to your situation, to your moment. Does God really love you? Is he really good if he's gonna let both good and bad come into your life? Why doesn't it just always be good? I know he promised you that that was what he had called you to, They've given you those gifts, but maybe he's done using you in that way. I know it was good for a while, but now here's another shoe that's gonna drop. He's ready to use someone else now. Aren't those the questions that run into our mind? And if we let them tempt us away from God, James is very clear, it sets down a spiral where sin begins to Increase in our desires to the point that we conceive and give birth to saying, Well, I won't trust in God anymore. I'll trust in myself. He doesn't give me the pleasure that I want, so I'll run where I know I can find it. You know, maybe it's just about me accomplishing it now, and God's just waiting for me to put all this effort into it. I don't really need Him to empower me. I'll just go after it. And we run down these cycles, and it says, It conceives and it begins to grow like weeds in a garden that begin to kill out any fruit, to tear away the roots to the point that it grows up into death and destruction. If you don't believe me, think about the last thing that caused you anxiety and sent you down that death spiral, where you began to go, I fear, and therefore all of these tragedies are going to happen. These trials that have come in to teach us, we've often allowed them to tempt us. And so it is time for us to reject them as temptations and turn back to our teacher and say, okay, God, what do you want to teach me in this? And here's some things that God is going to teach you in trials. He's going to teach you about himself. He's going to teach you about yourself. And he's going to teach you about life in general. That's what these trials are intended to be. And they can be a great classroom if you let God be the teacher. But you have to let God be the teacher. You have to stay close to him. Ask the questions and listen for the answers. Ask the question and seek his scriptures for why. Ask the question and get around people that will pray for you until you get the answer. That we persevere until we hear. What are some things that it teaches us? The first thing that's gonna happen in a trial if you stay with God is you're gonna recognize that you are not God, but you need God. One of the biggest things that happens when trials comes in it's a reminder that we're not in control. That no matter how successful, no matter how secure, no matter how controlling and how much we can craft our lives, these trials and these sufferings come in to confront us, you are not God. But you need him. You are frail and fragile in need of someone who is never frail and never fragile. You cannot accomplish all your purposes and ends, but there is one who does not grow weary. There is one who does not grow tired. There is one who can accomplish much more than you can ask or imagine. And so you need God. It gives you this perspective that you are not God and you need Him. And what that is aiming to help you realize is that it is better with Him than just having His stuff. It is way better to be with him than just have all of the rewards and the promises. If you get all the promises and you don't have God, it's terrifying. Because you know they don't last. But he is eternal. And he is everlasting. I don't have to convince you because all of us have watched this play out this week with the loss of Kobe and Gianna Bryant. I mean, how shocking and stunning was it? And how have we seen the entire world just be crumbled by it? Because he's our modern superhero. The idea that someone can work and have that mamba mentality and nothing's going to stop him, and yet something stopped him. And it was tragic and it was awful. And watching the grief go around every single industry that he touched, even lives like yours, it has caused us to realize we're so fragile. And in doing so, it has also taught us about ourselves and that it has carved away what we think matters. They haven't talked about his titles. They haven't talked about his MVP trophies. Those are like byproduct comments. But they have talked about him being a great girl dad. They have talked about the advocacy that he had for others. They had talked about the redemptive journey in the midst of his own struggles. They have talked about those things. See, trials come in to carve away And remove from us the things that we think matter. To focus on the priorities. See, God does bring trials into your life to cause you to come back to him if you have run from him. He brings trials in your life to go back to him if you've never even known him. Because sometimes you need it to wake you up. Because you numb yourself to thinking you're your own God. And so God comes in to say, no, there is one greater than you. And you need him. So, bow to the one who is greater. So, it teaches that we know, we're not God and we need him. And it also teaches about ourselves. The scriptures describe us as a refiner's fire and pruner's scissors. That it begins to reveal to us our sin and our shortcomings in such a way that they can be removed. That we are in need of a savior. Because some of the trials are our own doing, some of the trials are our own enabling. So trials come to help us see that we need to be redeemed and transformed to grow. But it's also an excellent education in the school of life. We all long for wisdom. We've been talking often about reigning in this life, that you and I would be excellent in every area of our lives. Well, trials teach us. They come in to help us see what can go wrong, what can be overcome, how to overcome, But we have to let it be an education. And here's what I want to say to some of you there have been past trials that you have come out of. There are trials that you are in the middle of that you need to let become a lesson, or they will continue to just be an open lesion on your soul. So many of us right now are carrying around trials from the past that are unhealed wounds that we have not allowed God to make into scars because we will not let them merely be a lesson. We want to dig in them over and over again and and return to the pain and the frustration. And part of it is that we're longing for something good like reconciliation. We're longing for understanding of why it happened in the first place. But I want to release you from that. You may never have reconciliation in this life. That is not the promise of God. You may never understand why all the bad things have happened. That is not what God has intended for you to know. But you could have resolution in this life. Resolution to be released to God and trusting Him no matter any explanation of why it happened. No matter any irreconciliation that happened between people in your life. There can be resolution. But too many of us are dragging around baggage of past trials from the past, and we can't let God teach us to free us, to let it use us for the future. And if that is you today, speak to the trial about the lies of its temptation, that those past trials define you and cut them off so that you can be informed by it, but no longer influenced by it. That is the hope of God. And if you don't believe He can do that in an instant, remember that the Holy Spirit resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave did he put death in its place so he can put any manner of destruction from trial in its place now, today, forevermore. You can be healed. So speak to the trial of how it's tempted you and tell you it's a liar because the truth is found in God himself. So what is your current trial? It doesn't matter how trivial it is. One of the other lies it says is compare your trial to somebody else. I mean, this isn't really a big deal in your life. Look at at that person. They're dealing with something way worse. It's not about someone else's trial. It's considerate pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. What is your current trial? How is it tempting you and lying to you? And what is God going to use it to teach you for? Going to use it to teach you for? He may not be the cause but he will use it for good if you let him. But I want you to see that it's more than God just teaching you something. It's more than cognitive understanding that will help you live life going forward. It's that God wants to triumph for you in this trial. Yes, he wants to be a great teacher, but he also wants to show you that he is the great victor. And so triumphs—sorry, trials lead to new triumphs. Trials lead to new triumphs. And another lie is that this trial is going to be what causes the ultimate tragedy. Some of us think that we just have one big trial to overcome, and then we're good. (laughs) That's because we're in our 20s. (laughs) But we need to recognize that trials of various kinds will continue to come. But every new trial is meant for a new triumph. This is a pattern of God. Another way that we see it throughout Scripture is that God gives these promises to His people. And then they have to persevere before they ever possess the promises. It's like standing between two mountains. And on one mountaintop, you hear the promises and you look over the other one and you see the people that possess it. And then there's a whole valley all the way through that you can't see the various journey that it's going to go. And you can't help but think, when is He just going to build a bridge that I can just walk directly across from promise to possession. But he wants us to persevere as we obtain it. And some of you are on a variety of different journeys. And I want you to hear the testimony of the scriptures, of how this pattern plays out, so you can see a little bit of why God might do it. And it corresponds with the levels that I talked about. The level one I call the, for such a time as this, journey. It's the journey of Esther. Esther is a book in the Old Testament. She was chosen to become a queen of a foreign king, largely because she was very attractive and very talented. And she finds herself in this position of influence in a nation that hates Jewish people and hates her faith. And so she hides her faith. But over time, there becomes an enemy of the Jewish faith that says, we don't need the Jewish population anymore. They don't serve our purposes. They don't actually believe in our ways. They don't believe in the what we want to do. So we should eradicate them. And her uncle Mordecai gets wind of this plan and comes to her and says, don't you see? It's for such a time as this that you've been placed right aside the king. That if you own your faith, that the brokenness and the destruction of our people can be stopped. And she says, but why would that? I say anything? Won't I just be destroyed like the rest? What, what role do I have to play in this? And finally, she tr- decides to trust in God and to do so, and to come out and say that she herself is a Jew, and she wants to defend her Jewish people. And what happens is that the enemy who plotted and raised gallows to kill Jews on ends up being destroyed And hung on his own gallows. And some of you have listened to the lies of the enemy of God that says, hide your faith. Because what power can your faith have in the midst of your workplace? What power can your faith have in the midst of your family? What power can your faith have in the midst of the brokenness of this city? Mordecai's words were, why would you think that you're going to be absent from the experience of my brokenness and my destruction? Don't you see, my brothers and sisters, that the hiding of our faith has led us to experience the same destruction of the world around us. And they are desperate for a people who will stand up and say, we have a king of heaven and earth who can destroy the works of the enemy and make him hang on his own gallows And he's waiting for us to step out and say, for such a time as this, I'm in this city and in this church and in this building and in that family and in that circumstance. The level two journey is Jacob's. I call it God's ways, not my ways journey. Jacob was chosen by God in the womb Not because of what he did, not because of what he was worthy about, but just chosen by God, the younger son of two twins. He was promised from the beginning to be the one who would be a leader, to be the blessing, to be the continuation of God's plans. But he grew up and learned quickly that he could manipulate the situation That he could use his own uh, tools and talents and lie his way to his success. And so he convinced his brother to sell his birthright for a bowl of soup. Pretty good salesman. (laughs) Later, he deceives his own dad, who's blind, to receive his blessing. And he builds his life on his own ways and his own wisdom of manipulation and lying to get his success. And as a result of building his life on his own ways, he lives constantly in fear and anxiety of it being taken away and being destroyed. And yet God doesn't take away his promise on him. When Jacob finds himself alone, God gives him a dream, shows him the land where he's going to go and say, not only will you go there, but I will dwell with you. Called the land Bethel, the place where God dwells. But Jacob continues on this journey, constantly using his manipulative ways, his deception to get what he wants and gain success until it comes to a head. And he's gonna be confronted with Esau and he's terrified, thinking Esau is gonna kill him. And so he like protects his possessions, he protects his family and he's ready to stand toe to toe with Esau. Night comes and here comes a man and he wrestles with him all throughout the night. And then he discovers oh wait, I was never wrestling with Esau. I was wrestling with God. Because he becomes known as Israel, the man who wrestles with God, because that's who he was wrestling with that night. And that's what he was wrestling with the whole time. The whole time he was wrestling with, will I wrestle with the ways of God and truths to be faithful and obey his ways, not walking in my own wisdom? And it is after that wrestling where he has actually put his hip out of joint And wounded that he ends up walking into his full promises he takes ownership by wrestling and there are many of you who have heard the promises of God and you've started along that journey of obedience but it's been a little bit difficult (laughs) and you're tempted to go back to your default ways of living because at least you know what that'll get you and you're wrestling with what it is to walk into the ways of God So continue and persevere in God's ways for that is the only way to his victory. And that is the journey of trials that he takes you on and little by little he brings you back to the same issue so that you will one day win. You will one day triumph. Level three is the the Joseph journey which I call the ambitious journey or the native New Yorker journey journey. Joseph also given promises of God at a young age, a dream that his brothers will bow down and his family will bow down to him. Great, grand ambitions and dreams for his life. And again, like a young, idealistic teen and 20-something thinks it's wise to share all of those dreams with everyone (laughs) that he sees, only to find that they're offended by them to the point where they fake his murder, sell him into slavery, And he finds himself in Potiphar's house, a general in Egypt's army. And because he's ambitious and he's a great leader, he rises to the top again, only to find himself wrongly accused and thrown into jail. Betrayed again. A new trial. Not into the leadership he felt called to, but into the lowest parts of Egypt. And yet he stays faithful. Faithful to God's call and leading in whatever environment God has placed him. And he rises again to the head of the prison to the point that he gets to minister to other prisoners who also receive dreams and then are released into the king's favor. And he says, I've interpreted dreams from God for you. Remember me when you get there. And they forget him. Betrayed again. But God had a plan. And God brings a dream to Pharaoh that only Joseph can interpret because God gives dreams because he wants to fulfill them. God's given you talent and he's given you gifts because he wants you to use them. He's not done with what he's trying to accomplish in your life and whatever ambitions you have, however they've been impeded and destroyed, they cannot be stopped if they are of God. And Joseph eventually says what we all will eventually say if we stay faithful to God. What you, man, or the devil himself intended for evil, God used for good. And the last journey is that of risk and reward, and that's just staying faithful like Daniel. Placed in a situation, given to compromise as the opportunity and choosing to stay faithful no matter the risk, trusting that it is God who gives the reward, not his own effort. And little by little, he climbs all the way to the top because he took the risk of obedience and faith. I tell you these stories because a few weeks ago I said that's the DNA that lives in your bones now by the Holy Spirit of God when you place your faith in Christ. That's your family lineage. And that's what your family does. And if that's what your family does, that's what you do. If that's what your father God does, that's what he does for his children, like you. But you don't need the testimonies of Scripture alone. Because God wants to give you your testimony, Revelation said that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And that's what God's done in this place. We have testimonies of marriages that should have been ruined by the sin and the problems they faced. And they have been redeemed and transformed. And now they are marriages of ministry. We have people that have gone through unemployment and struggled And difficult times, and lost more than they could count, and yet to be given and blessed, to be trained for the new job. We have people diagnosed with sicknesses that doctors don't understand and couldn't figure out, and yet in a moment healed, God wants to give you these testimonies of triumph. And so he brings trials or lets them come so that you can stand up and say, there is one who is victorious. His name is Jesus. And he will do it again and again and again and again. That is our God. New trials to bring about new triumphs. And here's what I want to say to some of you. You have been in a cycle of trial And you feel like you've failed over and over and over again. God says, persevere and continue. Because if you haven't got to the possession yet, he's just not done. But it may be time for you to learn from God and not just keep doing the same thing over and over again. I used a video game analogy um, in the original Upgrade series. And I'll revisit that. Because our family recently busted out the old Nintendo Wii for the joys of Mario Kart and Super Mario Bros. In the Super Mario Brothers, there's eight worlds and a plenty of levels to defeat. And I'm proud to say that after many weeks, our family is champions. The Super Bowl may be tonight, but we've already won. Because yesterday morning, we beat Bowser and everything he threw at us. But in that video game, you start off with five lives. And when you lose lose those five lives, they give you continues, (laughs) five new lives. And they're kind enough to count all of your continues, which means that all of us had at least 30 to 40 continues in order for us to win and find victory. But what happens in that video game is you get to play over and over and over again until you win, so you can learn what has got you the first time. God is happy and patient to walk you through the same trial until he teaches you what you need to learn. And so if you find yourself in the same stuck situation, believe that God has not done. Believe that he wants to bring it around again so that this time with him, you might overcome. Because you may have discovered that you weren't with him the first time. You were still walking in your own ways, walking in your own wisdom, walking in others' ideas, not trusting in him. Your failures do not determine your future. And so God and his power can come and overcome. But you need to see that what he's after in your triumphs is not for you to just enjoy victory, but it's to gain new territory. New trials are for new territory. He says, I want you to become mature and complete, lacking in nothing. He says he wants you to become a finished product And so he will bring trials and difficulties until every corner and crevice and part of your life is conformed to Jesus because that's the fullness of joy. That's the fullness of life. That's the fullness of freedom. And he will take his time until he gets it all right. If you didn't believe your own testimony or the testimonies of the Bible, this is the work of Jesus. Hebrews 12, two says, for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him, he endured your cross, scorning your shame, so that he could rise up to the right hand of the throne of God where he reigns forever. The right hand of the throne of God. When you hear that, do you only think of power as the new territory that God wants to bring? Because I want you to hear it first as presence. That Jesus did that to live forever next to his Father in his presence, reigning with him for all eternity. And the new territory that God is after is more of his presence in your life, even while he brings more power into your life. He wants to gain new territory for the kingdom in this city and in this church and in these people and everyone you meet. But he cannot gain new territory out there until he gains new territory in you. And so part of the trials is to remove the stuff that is preventing his presence from being there so he can fill you with himself because that's what he's ultimately after. Claiming you as his own because he loves you. He's got great plans for you, not to harm you, not to hurt you, not to take from you, but to give back everything that was taken, to restore everything the locust ate, to bring his kingdom in full into your life. Today he has come to stake new territory in this church. And he will not let the trials that have stolen from us win. And for some of you today, he is taking his flag and he is planting it in your heart and your mind to say you are his now and forevermore. You've been on this journey of questioning And you haven't had all the questions answered. You've been on this journey of healing and you're not fully healed. And you've been wondering whether or not to say forever Jesus is Lord. And today he is coming to say, I'm not waiting for you anymore. You're my territory. You're my son. You're my daughter. And he's planting his flag. His spirit has come to say you're saved. And if you feel that today, it is for you. And for those of you who've let trials take from you, he's ready to come and take back everything that has been been stolen And he's saying, I'm gonna stake that new clip territory now. And he's coming for you, whatever you've lost, whatever disease has destroyed to restore. Whatever doubts have crept in because of the difficulties you faced, because you didn't get the thing you wanted. He's coming back to say he is still your father and he loves you. His plan is not over. So believe his promises persevere because then you'll take possession of the fullness of his presence in the new territory he is seeking to gain. So now I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and I'm going to speak to the trials to stop the destruction. And I'm going to ask the spirit to speak to you to tell you are the one who triumphs in Christ. So let's pray. Father, I join you in the battle. For the battle belongs to you. And yours is the victory. And yours is the kingdom. And yours is the power. So whatever trial has come, we just speak against it and say, you have no power and authority in the people of God. King Jesus, you are the healer. By your wounds we are healed. And so whatever sickness has destroyed... We say heal and restore. Whatever trials of life that have stolen employment and money and the dreams, we just speak and destroy those trials and their power and the temptations and the lies of the devil. And we ask, Father, that you would speak truth, that your sons and your daughters would know they are yours and that your plans and dreams are still there for them. You know every trial, so speak, Spirit, a word of triumph. Show and teach us the new territory you're taking, and let us be released to walk in victory. Whatever way you need to bring your upgrade to us, God, we receive so that your kingdom will flourish in our lives and in this place and in this city. That's what we want, we want it in the name of Christ, amen.